Saturday, everybody, July 18th, year 2009. And this is a special broadcast tonight. We will get into it's almost becoming a regular tradition for the summertime to have Christmas in July. And tonight it's tonight. And in a minute or two, I'm going to call my friend Patricia. And she's going to co-host it. So we're going to welcome phone calls, uh, play Christmas shows to help cool down the summer months. Anyway, so that's what we're going to do tonight. And before that, let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, bless the station. Look after all our listeners and the supporters of this station. Look after Bill, Kim, and Beth. Look after John if you get ready to go back home in a week. Look after everybody who enjoys what we do. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, as I'm getting ready, it, we're doing a Christmas song. Here we go, everybody. My favorite of them all. Here we go. Oh, no. 
Okay. No, oh, holy night. Well, I think it's time for me to give my friend Patricia a call. And I'm going to put in a song that I think, she, I know she'll like. And I like it. Anybody who grew up watching the show, or the seasonal show in the 70s would know what I'm talking about. Here we go. I turn that down. I think it's time to turn this one up. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. Merry Christmas in July. In July. Yep, yep. We are here, and that is a good thing. We uh, we do this. At least we try to do it every summer. At least one night out of the out of the summer season, and our phone lines are open. You want to talk about radio, or talk about the hot weather, or whatever you want to do out there. At 714-545-2071, number, 714-545-2071. Well, Patricia, how's the weather today down your way? Oh, it was hot today. We're smack in the middle of our summertime here, so almost every day the temperatures are well into the 90s. I know there are parts of the country that would laugh at that because they've been hammered so hard with some pretty high temperatures. I know Texas has been one of them, but 92, 94, 95 degrees, that's about my threshold. Anything more than that, and I'd start to wilt. Well, the thing you always get me about the neck of the woods you guys always live is the humidity factor. Any idea what, how much, how wet is it when you step outside? When, oh, well, the same as inside. I never use air conditioning. I, I truly don't. I've never uh, been particularly fond of air conditioning. Once in a while, I'll turn it on when I'm on my way out yeah. to keep the humidity down. And then when I come home, I shut it off again, which is a little backward. But, of course, I am, too. <laughs> I, you, I know uh, the famous baseball announcer, Vince Gelly, that's what he does. When he's on the road, uh-huh. he'll turn the air conditioning on in the room that he's not in. Uh-huh. 
I think he figures easier on the vocal cord that way. Um, and it probably is. Yeah. It's pretty hot. We, during the day, the humidity isn't too bad because the temperature is so high. But at night, when the temperature starts going down a little bit, then we get some high humidity. So it doesn't feel like Christmas. But it doesn't feel like a northern Christmas in the middle of December either. <laughs> Well, July is just fine. July is just fine. Well, maybe I'll explain how this came about. And I will do that in a second. But now I'll just go ahead and bring bring the car up anyway. Hello, car. Hello, Walden Hughes and Patricia in Fort Myers. Hello. Lynn Noyes. Hello, Lynn. I'm going to just tell you, I'm going to blame you for this whole responsibility of this show. Oh, well, thank you. What did I do wrong this you, time, Walden? Actually, you're the one that came up with this concept. I know it, and I still love it. I mean, <laughs> the greatest things we got going, to be honest with you. I think you, I think you suggested about seven years ago, and uh, just for the audience, you wrote me an email. I said, and you came up with the concept. So about almost every summer, we because of this format, we blame you for it. Well, that's great. <laughs> take, I'll take the blame. It's okay. Anyhow, you guys were talking about weather. I wanted to tell you, I'm sitting here. Hi, Patricia. By the way. Hello, Lynn. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, how you doing? I'm good. I'm hot. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm sitting here. I'm at my, uh, my girlfriend's house down in Phoenix, huh? actually Glendale, Arizona. And I'm looking out the window, and there's she lives on lakes here. You know, water runs behind us, and the palm trees are swaying. The wind is blowing, and it's so beautiful, and it's about 110 degrees. Ouch. Is it really that hot? Yeah, it really is. It was really hot today in that. But what's so, like I say, it's so funny. You look out the window and it's so gorgeous out there. You know, she's got a pool and all that in the backyard. But then you look at the temperature and you go, God, this is terrible, you know? Having some Christmas spirit will cool it off a little bit. Well, that's what I was going to say. This Christmas stuff will make me feel real good and cool us down real nice. So, But I wanted to say hi to you folks. Thank you for doing this. This is a wonderful thing to do in uh, this time of the year, especially when you live in Arizona. Thank you for calling. This is fun. I'm, I'm really happy that you called in, and um, I hope you cool down. I know at, at different times you have mentioned that Christmas is a fun time for you. You, you really enjoy Christmas, so this year you get it twice. Yeah, it's true, and I do enjoy it, Patricia, that's for sure. I'm like a little kid, you know, and um, not only enjoy giving, but I enjoy receiving. You know, you're not supposed to enjoy receiving as much giving, but I do have a good time with both of them, and it's just a wonderful time of the year. Yeah, it is. Well, I'm so glad you called in. Well, both of you have a wonderful night, and uh, I'm going to sit back and listen a little bit, and Oni and I are going to listen to what you play and, you know, just have a nice night with it. So you, you have a good time and really enjoy it. We're going to have some trivia later. Maybe there's something you know. I don't know anything, Patricia. You know that. <gasps> Lynn Noise, you're telling fibs again. <laughs> yeah, I know a couple things. <laughs> Anyhow, Walden, thanks for doing this. All right, Lynn. Thanks for you su suggesting it years ago. We still kept it up in your honor. So, hey, I'm glad you're the first caller to kick it all off. So, oh, Very good. Well, make it a wonderful night and everything, and I'm sure it will be, and uh, we'll be enjoying it. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, Lynn. Hey, take care. Bye, Patricia. Bye, Walden. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And Lynn has a show on this network, um, tape 15. We won't be saying that too much longer. Uh, we uh, Eventually, I'll give you a clue, everybody. The, the automation system will not be running on tapes. So uh, maybe sometime later this year or next year, we'll have to come up with a new concept. But Lynn Noy's show is on this, on this station, and it's on tape 15 for now. And... Uh, 
And I think right now, I think Tulane is playing a series of comedy shows, if I recall. Very nice. You can give us a call at 714-545-2071 if you like. Well, person, I think. Anything strikes your fancy you want to bring up, Patricia? Any 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 topic, any idea before I, I throw something on the table for you? Well, we're talking about Christmas, even though it's in July. And at Christmas time, you usually ask, and last year you let me come out and play on Christmas, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I spent some on air time for you. But we ask people to call in with some thoughts about Christmas past and even Christmas future, if that's what they're planning, um, you know, if they've got some plans that they're hoping will come true for this coming Christmas. I, I just love hearing Christmas stories. So if anyone would like to call in with one of them, I would love to hear it. That would be good. That would be good. Christmas future, Christmas past, we'll take them here. Or whatever your present was when you were growing up. We'll, we'll take that, too. That's a great one. We'll take great that, one. too. You know, once in a while, I remember or I remind myself that not everybody had some wonderful memories from Christmases past or even times past. Um, but the thought occurred to me that we have an opportunity to start making... Um, even if you've not had a great story to tell, please call in and we'll start making a new Christmas for you now. Hello, Carl. I'm Juan. This is Charlie in uh, Seattle. Hi, Charlie. How you doing? Fine. How are you, sir? Good. How's the weather in Seattle? Hot. It's not really hot today. I think it's about, uh, well, I don't know, 70, 75, something like that. That is hot in sport. That's hot in for Seattle. There's no doubt about that. That's a little warm. Thank you for one man's family last night. I tuned in. I was listening to you to the Ken Murray thing, and I cut out a little bit. I came back. And I got a whole hour of one man's family. I appreciate that. No problem. Well, there's definitely, um, I definitely have a group of people who adore that show. And so I've been pretty, pretty faithful about that. And right now we're up to the 15 minute versions of those shows. So those of you who love one man family, we still got a whole slug of them left. So we'll, we'll put them on up for Friday night for you guys. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. Uh, are you going to play your, uh, Dick Corcoran, uh, Tonight, no, no, we're gonna devote this one to all trying to cool down. So we're gonna we're gonna put Dick on two weeks from tonight. Next week we got a couple of specials, but we'll we will uh, put together Dick Corcoran and Ed, Ed, uh, Dick and Ed show uh, two weeks from tonight. Okay, well I enjoyed that one too. I always like to listen to the they always have a good show and put uh, interesting people on there uh, most of the time. I enjoyed that too. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, yeah, it's a good show. Okay, well I just want to call and say hi and. Uh, uh, we'll be, uh, we'll be listening. What, what's on tap for tonight? You going to play some... Well, Patricia and I decided that we're going to try to cool down the weather with Christmas shows. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Charlie. It's Hi there. What, you going to play Christmas shows now? Yes. Uh -huh. Christmas show now. Okay. Actually, uh, Lynn Roy suggested this, I think, seven years ago. Why don't I take one night out of the summer oh. when it's 110 degrees in most country and people are trying to figure a way to cool off. <laughs> We'll play some Christmas shows. So, yes, so we got some Patricia shows uh, Patricia picked out. And so we're going to talk about that and old-time radio and take calls and uh, have trivia questions and just, just kick it back for as long as Patricia wants to stay up. Okay. Well, I'll be listening, you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Charlie. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And there's Charlie from Seattle. 714-545. 
2071 is our number. 714-545-2071. Time to turn the tables, Walden. What was your favorite Christmas gift that you got for your entire life? Oh, man. I've, I've been blessed that way. Well, I was thinking on some other topics. Well, let me think. I, I'll tell you the one that sticks out in my memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all of us would remember our first bicycle. I think I got mine when I was, eh, about six years old or so. And, of course, you know, I had the little uh, safety wheels, whatever you call those, the training wheels on the side. Uh-huh. And I remember that. Uh, I also remember uh, getting a remote control airplane, I think, the Christmas after that. That, you know, you can fly it around the living room and adjust it up and down. Uh, or I think probably my favorite one would be an electric car that you would get inside. It would be like a, uh, a drag racer and it ran on electricity. And you could drive it all up and down the house and outside and everywhere. You must have been a joy inside the house. Uh, I was. There was um, um. Uh, I'll let people in on a secret uh, about my childhood. I... I think we all know I am a big kid at heart, and um, I would create games and things all over the house. Uh, one of the things I lo- love to do uh, is take stuffed animals and play sport contests with them. So throughout the house, we would create baseball stadiums. So in one part of the bedroom, it would be like Yankee Stadium. And another part, of we would design Detroit Stadium. The living room would be designed at Oakland Stadium, and we'd be, my brother and I would be playing baseball games with these stuffed animals with animal rules throughout the whole house. So, uh, I don't know. My parents just wanted to have rump through the house. So, that's, sort of, that's a big childhood in my, in my life. There's no doubt about that. I have met your mom and dad, and they are very special people. <laughs> They really are. Yeah. are but they're a, just a wonderful couple, and I loved spending a, the little bit of time that we had together. Yeah. I just loved it. They really are special people, and it doesn't surprise me when you're telling me how many things you got away with inside out. <laughs> because they are such special people. I think they're probably one of four couples in the United States of America <laughs> who, could tolerate, who could tolerate what yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you how special um, all kids can get into mix-ups, right? Mm-hmm. I think we all can. Well, I was always um, good about good good mix-up is what I sort of specialized in. And um, I would think it was after my third or fourth eye surgery. I wanted wallpaper in my room. And, you know, I had a, a regular uh, painted room, so like, uh Navajo white is sort of a popular color in California, uh, in your room. So I talked my brother into it, and here, I think I was seven, my brother was four, and we took our crayons (laughs) and drew circuit themes Mm -hmm. on the walls. Well, when my my dad used to work nights, and so he would sleep during the day, so he was the perfect perfect babysitter, right? He would be zonked out, you know, at least he would be there and body and half asleep. So we, so the two boys would create the circuit theme throughout the bedroom. And my mom came home from her part-time job and my dad said, well, look what the kids did. And I think they were so impressed. Uh, they, they decided to leave it up for a while. And they probably felt bad they didn't take pictures of it. 
they they went ahead. And my dad quite cleaned it up and uh, uh, repainted over it. But I think they felt bad that they couldn't keep it. I think they were impressed that two little kids could draw a circuit theme. So there's no doubt about it. We sort of we did get away with murder. There's no doubt about that. That is great fun. <laughs> now, the two of you had grown up to be Rembrandts, and your dad had painted over yep. your early art. Yeah. Oh well. Terrible stuff. Oh well, you know. Okay. Anyway, I think another special uh, time for me in Christmas, um, if many people know, uh, my uncle is a retired four-star general, mm-hmm. lives in Florida, and many times he would be stationed around the world. Every two years in the military, you pretty much move. And we would get to visit him in very strange and exotic places. And... Uh, um, and also, you know, for a family who was going through financial tough times, like everybody would go through, uh, having a relative move to some place really would cut down expenses because you could travel and stay with them and uh, see a lot of the interesting part of the country and, and, and of the world. And the time my uncle became the, uh, wound up being the, uh, the commander of the Pacific Air Force, he was stationed in Hawaii. So I got to spend two Christmases in Hawaii. Well, you poor kid. I know. I know. But that is... It sounds wonderful. It is wonderful. And then I think, people, if you're ever thinking about going to Hawaii, go the week before Hawaii because nobody's there. The week before... Hawaii. Christmas. Christmas. The week before Christmas. Uh-huh. Nobody's there. In the hotels, it's vacant. Uh-huh. So that's a good time to go. If you want to ever go to Hawaii and you can't stand people, go the week before Christmas. <laughs> I'm kind of an introvert. That would be a really super time for me. I am. You think I'm joshing? No, I know. I know. I, I know what you say. I know what you say. But you, can, you, just, you, you have this interesting personality that you can be an introvert and you have extrovert qualities. Sure. Well, um, um, one of the definitions I heard of introvert and extrovert one time just seems to fit. It has nothing to do with your ability to interact with people or communicate or be bright or sad or miserable. It has to do with how you recharge your internal batteries. And an extrovert tends to get energy from being with people. And an introvert recharges batteries by being in private time and quiet time. It's the quiet that allows them to recharge their batteries. And I've always liked that definition. Mm-hmm. Well, I would think, and I can see why logically that makes sense for you, being your, your given profession as a writer. Yes. That's definitely a quiet task. Yeah, it, <laughs> most of the time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. It, yeah. It's a perfect combination. Well, I think it's time for us to talk about our first show. Mm-hmm. And Patricia uh, asked for a list of, of Patricia's choices this year. And we're going to feature a lot of them this year. And, of course, I, I would think, well, hopefully she knows the right answer to these trivia, trivia questions. Patricia? Yes? What is your favorite old-time radio show? Oh, Fibber McGee and Mom. Let's ring the bell! All right. Right? Yeah, you got it. So that's what I thought we would talk about. Fibber, McGee, and Molly. What the first show we're going to play 
It's the show from December 18, 1945. Uh-huh. And this is the one where uh, Fibber wants to paint his Christmas tree white. That is one of my all-time favorites, and I, I think you know that there are two Christmas shows that, that I will listen to over and over and over again, and that's one of them. It's, it's interesting, and forgive me for going off in a different direction here, this is one of the first shows, I, I said one of the first shows, one of the very early shows, shortly after the end of the war. Yes. 1945. 1945. So there was probably a, a whole different temperament and social climate that was going on at that time as opposed to the Christmas before. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wonder if you can pick that. You find something. When we listen to this show, you find something in there that would tell us that it, there was a different mindset at that year, that particular Christmas, from the ones before then. Well, uh, I will listen, because generally, I know, if, for those of you who may or may or might, uh, and will be celebrating the end of World War II, through, uh, which I always do here in August, and you hear the shows from August and September 1945, it's not a major um, celebration. In other words, what I mean by that, uh, it's not, it, it, it's, it's, it's gratefulness. Um, the country was grateful the war was over. They were grateful that we won, and we were grateful it was over. And, and that sentiment uh, is depicted in a lot of shows in the August and September of 1945. And I'm wondering when we might hear this here in December of 1945. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if we pick that out. Why do you love Fibber McGee and Molly so much? What, what makes it work for you? I think it's, uh, there, well, there are, I don't think, there are several reasons. The first is that they are so comfortable with each other, and the humor sometimes evolves as the show goes along, so that, in my mind, when I see this couple in my brain, because, of course, we didn't see them with radio, in my mind, they're really living together. They're really having a good time together. They really like each other, and that's very pleasant to be around. We don't often see that any anymore. Um, and the writing, the humor, was fabulous, just fabulous. It, it's not something that I can find or I hear. It, it has qualities that I don't hear in other old-time radio shows, and there were some special features about it as well. And the one that I think is underappreciated, although most people enjoyed it, was when Fibber would take off on one of his alliteration speeches, where he had he sold peanuts properly in Peoria, and he would just go on and on and on and on and on, and never miss a beat. Not once did I hear him, one time I heard him skip a beat. And it, it's an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. So there are a lot of aspects of the show that come together and just make it my favorite. I'm just thinking, I, I'm wondering if Don Quinn, the writer, um, and I was, didn't get to it tonight, I was going to pull out uh, segments of a Don Quinn interview I have in my files mm-hmm. and where he talks about the show. And for people who may or may not know his background, he was a cartoonist. He was a cartoonist in Chicago, and he went to Jim and Mary Jordan in the early days 
uh, this is way before February, and said, can I write some sketches for you? And they started to use it, to, they developed a concept called Smack Out. And, think, and I guess it, in some ways it points out that writers are, are born. Not necessarily, I don't know if you can make a writer, I, but if he had that God-given talent or blessings or whatever, or that ability to create something like Phil McGee and Molly and the Halls of Ivy, I mean, nobody taught him that. That was not his skill set. You know, I mean, he must have been able, he must have been, internally, he must have created that. And I was wondering if maybe, when I listened to Fibber and Molly, I could almost see traits that Jim and Mary Jordan probably had in their personal private life, that he took some of it and brought it to the stage, and it, it created that comfort level. Mm-hmm. I think you're probably right. Mm-hmm. They, they were just so comfortable. In the early shows, and I believe you and I have touched on this in other conversations, in the earliest shows of Fibber McGee and Molly, they were very harsh and, and almost abrasive. Or Molly was abrasive. She would um, make harsh comments to Fibber. She spoke in what could be interpreted as a, a bit of a brogue, and it, it, it was almost... Um, a lower-class, ruffian-type personality that the two of them shared, and they, it just wasn't as funny. And once they started evolving into a couple who enjoyed each other and appreciated each other, and Molly found great humor in Fibber's foibles, and by the way, she, she never came out, which is another positive thing about this show, she never... Uh, I, I don't know how quite to say this. She, she never took him apart. She was never crude or rude. And no matter what came out at the end, she always helped it be a little bit better. That even when Fibber flopped, Molly was there to help prop him up. That's true. I'm, uh, I'm currently listening to the um, early shows in 1939. I haven't heard a lot of those yet. I'm up. And I'm working backwards. That's sort of more on think tank at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on May 13th, 1939, for my private fun listening. And Molly O'Marion still had the Irish Brogue in 39. Mm-hmm. And I have to figure out. I, my thinking is probably totally got rid of it by 41. I'm not sure. But that's, I think, that's when the, I think the show first became number one in the country is around 1941. Mm-hmm. So it took them almost six years to finally gel to the format that the public uh, totally adored the show. Yes, yes, and they became lovable characters in the early 40s, you're right. They, they were almost vaudevillian comedy in the earlier years, and they didn't come off as a couple. They came off as two people telling jokes or having monologues of their own, and they they just didn't come together, you're right, until the early 1940s. That's when it started really getting fun to listen to them. Absolutely. Well, in this broadcast, we're going to hear uh, Shirley Mitchell, who played Alice Darling. She is still with us, everybody. She uh, uh, And I asked her one time, did she knew her role were going to be short-lived? And she said, yes, yeah, she knew that ahead of time that, uh, you know, 
eventually when uh, it may, people may or may not know, um, the war took a lot of the Fibber cast away. Uh, Gil Gordon, who played Mary Trivia, was gone by 42. Uh, Bill Thompson, who played uh, the old-timer, Wallace Wimple, and Horatio K. Boomer, and a lot of part, he was gone. And so they had to create new characters to help fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shirley Mitchell, who uh, was part of the show during 1943, this is her last show It's about two weeks away, about January of 46. So just a little note for you uh, radio buff out there if you want to take note of this. So... Patricia, I think we're ready to hear our first show. I am so happy this is the first show. Thank you. All right, here we go. And Patricia and I will be back in 2930. Here we go, everybody. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. things are you most anxious to have in your home? Aren't they beauty and cleanliness? Well, think for a moment how easily and inexpensively you can have both beauty and cleanliness just with an occasional application of genuine Johnson's wax to your floors, furniture, and woodwork. A rich, mellow, polished wax surface is a thing of beauty in itself. The wax brings out the grain and beauty of the wood. It adds a soft luster to leather, linoleum, and metal surfaces. And, of course, this tough wax film protects these surfaces against wear, dirt, and moisture. Dust and dirt do not adhere readily to a wax-polished surface. So cleaning is not only easier, but a waxed home is actually cleaner and more sanitary. Johnson's wax is of the very finest quality and long-wearing. The cost is really very little. So why not practice protective housekeeping in your home with genuine Johnson's wax? Dealers everywhere carry it. people who simply won't admit that nature does anything right. They are the kind who gild cattails, paint whose little tootsie are you on the shells of baby turtles, and clip poodle dogs to look like anemic lions. Here's one of those people now, as we meet Father McGee and Molly. you charge me to paint this Christmas tree white? Why do you want it white, McGee? What do you mean, why do I want it white? You've got a hundred trees in this lot you've painted white. Yeah, and I think they're horrible. What? Some people like them that way. Never mind the artistic comment, Fred. How much? Ten dollars. Ten dollars? To spray a little white paint on this half-pint tree? Who do you think you are, Rembrandt? <laughs> Look, looky here, maybe you didn't understand, Fritz. I want this tree painted white, not gold-plated. Ten bucks. You're a pirate, and I'll bet you've made $200 already today. You're a cheapskate, and I've made 340 <laughs> You're a robber, and I'll bet you've 
paper, and you want to sell a half interest in this joint? You're a stoop, and I wouldn't sell my own mother a half interest. You're a low-down, no good. Dirty, the dirty swindler. Ten bucks to spray a little tree white. The rat. Cheating people right and left. Making 400 bucks a day. The chiseler. I don't know whether to report him to the OPA or make him a better offer for a half interest. <laughs> Lord down chiseler. Yes, McGee. This time. <laughs> that guy, Fred Corrigan, that runs the Christmas tree out at 14th and Oak. That dirty pine broker. <laughs> You want to charge me ten bucks to paint our Christmas tree white? Well, that does seem a little high, dearie. But think of the work there is to it. Putting all those needles back on after the paint dries. <laughs> they don't take the needles off. They just spray the trees. Whish, whish, whish. That's all there is to it. Well, if wishing will make it so, why don't you do it yourself? <laughs> if it's a ten-dollar job, I can't afford to pay myself that much. <laughs> I haven't got a paint spray, so... Hey, haven't we got a paint spray attachment on the vacuum cleaner? Oh, dear. Oh, my gosh. I can have that tree painted white before you can say, don't it look awful? <laughs> now, McGee, please, I realize we need the house painted, but not on the inside. Let's leave the tree green. Oh, you'll love a white one, Snooky. It's the modern thing. Nobody uses green trees anymore. They're outmooded. Hmm. <laughs> you don't say. Well, tell me, Salvador. <clears throat> What color snow are people using this year? Chartreuse? No kidding, Molly. White Christmas trees are all the rage. Everybody. They must be. They throw me into one. Now, look, sweetheart. Just put the tree up and trim it. I love a green Christmas tree. Don't you, Alice? Don't I what, Mrs. McGee? Look, Molly, I'll put it up to Alice fair and square and let her give an opinion. Here's the proposition, kid. (laughs) If you were going to have a Christmas tree, which would you rather have? A dusty, drab, dirty old green one or a bright, snappy, glistening white one? Which, Alice? Mistletoe. No. <laughs> mistletoe. What an answer. Well, Jeepers, don't you like to hang up a little bouquet of mistletoe, Mr. McGee? Uh, <laughs> he's too shy, Alice. <laughs> I am not shy. What good is mistletoe? Catch somebody on it, and it's either somebody you can kiss anyway, like your wife, or you get a slap in the chops before you can point up to it. <laughs> mistletoe, bah. That's just poison ivy with berries. <laughs> and you'll see who manages to spend most of his time loitering around beneath it. (laughs) But honestly, now, dear, uh, do you like a white Christmas tree? Well, I like them all, Mrs. McGee. I don't care if they're purple. Gertrude always has a white one, though, and she likes them. Who's Gertrude? We know her. Oh, she's the boy who always rides past here in the cream-colored Cadillac and honks his horn sister. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. I see. Well, uh, himself, you used to go to the man who owned a Stutz Bearcat's niece. <laughs> yeah, but I gave her up for an old guy with a broken-down Maxwell's daughter. <laughs> but honestly, now, Alice, don't you really prefer a white Christmas tree? Well, I got awfully tired of them, Mr. McGee. When I was a little girl, my father gave us kids some little tiny paintbrushes and told us to paint a Christmas tree white. Heavenly days. Oh. It must have taken you children a long time to paint a tree with little brushes. Uh, how long did it take you, Alice? Oh, we never did get it finished. Huh? But it kept us off the streets till we were 18 years old. <laughs> well, I gotta wrap some presents. See you later. Right, kid. All that lovely golden hair can grow out of that solid bone on everything. <laughs> oh, she's awfully sweet, though, McGee. 
Billy Blumenfeld and Alice's head. No, I'm the other kind. Well, I can't get my tree spade. Where'd you leave the tree, dearie? Out in front. I can attach the vacuum cleaner cord from the porch light. Now, let me see if I get the... Come in. Oh, hello there, Dr. Gamble. Hello, Molly. How are you today, pantry punch? Fine, Jumbo, fine. You out spreading a little Christmas cheer, telling your patients you're going to retire? Oh. He's not going to retire for years yet, are you, Doctor? I do. I will retire on that far distant day when I can write a personal check for $400 and not have the hired help at the Fourth National Bank burst into hysterical laughter. All right, go on, you old miser. You got that much buried under a loose brick in the fireplace right now. The trouble with you is you got more affection for a dollar than my wife has for a pound of butter. And that's the love match of the year, Fatso. Well, you have no right to say that, though, McGee. Dr. Gamble does more private charity work than anybody in town. Certainly. I'm a very noble character. And I walk down the street, flowers spring into bloom. Birds burst into song, and taxi cabs honk twice before they try to kill me. Now, this is my busy season, you I know. I suppose the children keep you pretty busy around Christmas time, Doctor, huh? No, it's the so-called grown-ups, my dear. Huh? This is the silly season, when 200-pound men start climbing 49-cent stepladders to wear dime store angels to the tops of $3 Christmas trees and wind up in a $500 plastic hat. <laughs> Time-wise and compound fracture foolish. Don't you want to stick around and watch me trim our Christmas tree, Doc? I'm painting it white. Well, you don't have to do that, skip wit, huh? When I put my gift for you under, it'll turn white. <laughs> 20 miles from the orchestra and the parade of the wooden soldier. Again, plugs up like a sentimental woman at a sad movie. 
Just paint spray. Goes along all right for a minute, then it chokes up. And when it comes loose again, it throws a blob of paint that'd knock IQ out of the balcony. Burn <laughs> it on the porch steps. And maybe that'll loosen it up. Okay, I will. There, now, now I'll try it. Okay. Ah! Oh, heavenly days, McGee. You're almost hit me with that. I'm sorry, kiddo. I didn't know it was loaded. Well, here we go. There, now Dad ratted it done it again. Cloud up. Well, hurry up and get the job finished, McGee. Mm. It's colder than a lineman's lunch out here. We'll buy it in the house if you want. I can handle this all right. No, I've got to stay out here and tell people who you are. Huh? <laughs> you get a little more of that white paint on you, and they'll think you're a badly constructed snowman. Okay. Ah, that does it. Now, I'll have this tree straight before you can That's say... That's dearie. Huh? No, you better shut it off. Here comes Mrs. Carstairs. No. Hello there, Mrs. Carstairs. Won't you come in the house and have a slug of tea? <laughs> no, sir.
he was gripping the butler with his teeth, dearie. Huh? You know, after all, a dog as smart as that could hold him down with one hind paw, dial the police station with the other, and use his front feet to take fingerprints. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but how should... Oh, well, why should I worry? <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, my gosh, what tree did I see? The one that's been growing there in the yard all these years.
Chimes on that broadcast from December 18, 1945. One of the classic shows. Mickey and Molly. When you say Patricia? I was going to say, and no comment about this Christmas being different from the Christmas before. That's true. Uh, no, no, they didn't, they didn't uh, elaborate at all. I was, uh, I was just thinking. You know, they they you say they put their upcoming recording, and I got to think. Well, the record strikes are over by November of '44, so that's really, you know, people who had the extra money to buy recordings would have pretty much had the whole year in 1945. So that was really no new indication. My arithmetic is correct. The following week would have been Christmas night that they broadcast. That's, that's true. Probably when they made a comment. Uh, that's probably true. That's probably true. And that's another interesting characteristic. Nobody took off on the holidays. If the show night was on Christmas or New Year's or Valentine's Day, it didn't make any difference. Thanksgiving, the shows went on. The show must go on. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, let's face it. 
they must have loved what they did. They had to. Yeah, and so, uh, so it almost in a way it was something they loved to do, and especially if you were a performer who loved to be with the audience. And you know, I, I've known um, performers uh, where family members who had gigantic stars. I won't mention. Um, but think of you. Think of probably the most well-known entertainer in the whole wide world. I and I know some of the family members, and they said the happiest they were ever on is when they were performing. And so, in a way, for some people, uh, performing it, it was an expression of, uh, uh, I guess, self-worth and love and all those traits. So they were happy to get up and do it. And a gift of sorts for their audience. Mm-hmm. I have a request. Yeah. Because one of the trivia sets of questions tonight deals with the song that we just heard. Is it okay if I do a trivia now and give people an opportunity to Google the answers? Uh, absolutely. You go right ahead. Okay. Um, I have a list of CDs, by the way, that are um, available for prizes and people can pick their own. I will ask the questions first and then give them their choices of CDs for anybody who can answer one of the questions. Well, okay. First, there, there's a set of three questions, and the person who calls has to answer just one of the three questions correctly. That's pretty generous, but the questions aren't all that easy. So the first question is, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, the great Gildersleeve, celebrated Christmas in Summerfield with his niece and nephew. The question is, what was his niece's first name or what was his nephew's first name? So that's question number one. So you, if you know the answer, you can give us a call at 714-545-2071. And that's, you, get, you get three chances. So you got here, that was your first shot. That was the first shot. The second shot deals with or is related to the song that we just heard the night before Christmas. Uh, on the Fibber McGee and Molly show, that was introduced three years before on December 23rd, 1942. And the response from the audience was so phenomenal that they decided to keep it as part of their Christmas routine, and they did it for years at Christmas time, that same song. Teeny was a little girl from across the street who showed up with the King's Men and Billy Mills and the orchestra to sing the song. And that was the first time, of course, in 1942. Now, the question is, Jim and Marion Jordan played Fibber McGee and Molly, but who played Teeny? That's the second question. Second question. Who played Teeny in the Fibber McGee and Molly? So if you know that, give us a call at 714-545-2071. A third question. This is pretty good. This is multiple choice. <laughs> not even multiple choice. You can pick which questions you want that will give you a passing grade. Okay, the third question is a famous Christmas story called A Christmas Carol. And it's often, it's one with Orson Welles and um, John Barrymore, or Lionel Barrymore. Who, was it John or Lionel, or did they both do the role? They both did, but the, probably the most famous one that we had with the Lionel Barrymore, but they both did it. Was Lionel. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they did um, the Scrooge routine in the Christmas story, A Christmas Carol. It's often referred to as Dickens' Christmas Carol. The question is, who was Dickens? So those are your three chances. You need to identify 
Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve's niece or nephew? What were their first names? The second one is who played Peeny on Fibber McGee and Molly? And the third one is who in the Dickens was Dickens? Christmas Carol. Three choices. So you can give us a call. We just just know one to three at seven one four five four five two zero seven one, and you can win a CD of your choice. Everything is legal. Hey, can't beat that at all. No, you cannot. And so we'll keep that out there. You can give us a call seven one four five four five two zero seven one. You know what the one of the nice thing about that show we were listening to to me. Ah, we got a caller. Terrific. Okay. And we'll throw him up. Hello, caller. Charlie Kinder in Seattle. Hi, Charlie. How are you? What, what, what is the prize? I, I missed, what, what's the prize for these if I answer right? You get to pick a CD. Okay. Um, Marjorie was the niece. Lee was the nephew. Very good. Molly played uh, Teeny. Marion Jordan played Teeny. That's yeah. correct. And Charles Dickens was the author. Well, you are good. Okay, I am going to read to you the list of CDs for you to choose from. Okay. You can pick one. One CD is filled with Fibber McGee and Molly Christmas shows. Okay. The second CD is filled with The Great Gildersleeve Christmas shows. Mm. The third one is a CD with a variety of Christmas shows, more than 100. Mm. From all over, Red Skelton and Bing Crosby and Fibber McGee and Molly. Second CD with more than a hundred shows, and they're different shows. So a a total of two hundred shows are available here. And the final CD, I will make a collection of Christmas music by various performers. And if you've got favorite singers or favorite music, I will see if I can do that. Okay, I'll take the Christmas music. The Christmas. A selection of Christmas music, you know, that you said you'd make up. Okay, the music. That's fine. Um, and, Charlie, uh, and for anybody else, I'll give you my Hotmail address, and you can tell me what your address is so I can mail this to you, and you can also let me know if you've got some preferences for Christmas music, either vocalists or do you prefer instrumental. I've got some unusual okay. instrumental ones. Um, my email address for anybody and for you to send me your address is Florida Writer, all one word yeah. at hotmail dot com. Florida Writer at hotmail dot com. Yeah. I have emailed you before. I, you, I, you and I have emailed by talked email before. Florida, Florida Writer W R I T E R. That is correct. Florida Writer at uh, hotmail dot com. Hotmail.com, and I remember that it, um, last, it was Christmas time, as a matter of fact, when you called and you answered some questions correctly. Yeah. And, and, and uh, this, is, this, is, this is fun. Yeah, okay, Florida Writer at Hotmail.com. I do have some favorite artists, and I'll be emailing you in the next oh, few, well, few hours, next day, maybe tomorrow, something like that. Okay, that was uh, and I enjoyed, uh, you know, because I listen to old time radio all the time, and uh, uh, and anybody, I mean, uh, if you study American literature or English literature, you got to know who Charles Dickens was. So, I enjoyed it. Okay, well, thanks for calling in, Charlie. Have a nice evening. You have a good one. I'll be uh, emailing you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Charlie. And that's Charlie from Seattle. You can also give us a call now, 
2071. It's very nice for Patricia to do that. 714-545-2071. And you just heard the Fibber McGee and Molly show. One thing that caught my ear on that particular show was sound effect. It really did sound like the attachment of a vacuum cleaner. Uh-huh. The, the way that it, it, you had the going and the swish, it really sounded like he was doing it. The sound effects person on Fibber McGee and Molly was outstanding. He was just exceptional. Do you know who it was? I do not. I do not. And uh, we've been over at NBC, and uh, if I had... Probably one of the Fibber McGee and Molly books. We might look, be able to look it up sometime, but don't have that one in front of me. But we'll have a call. Hello, caller. Hello. The, my, the, uh, the, this is Ray calling from Chicago. Hi, Ray. How you doing? Hi, Ray. Uh, I, um, you know, I was fumbling around with my cell phone, and the, I, I just couldn't get the number out fast enough. But I, I, I only had two of the correct answers. All you needed was one. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, of course, the Fibber McGee that uh, the earlier caller mentioned with Marjorie and Leroy, uh-huh. Mar- Marion Jordan that did a tremendous job as Keeney, didn't she? Oh, she did. It was I've at least a year of listening and really enjoying Fibber McGee and Molly before I even realized that it was Marion who was playing Teeny. Yeah, isn't that something? She did an outstanding job with it. I think I was in the same place. Um, Ray, I'll tell you what, um, because you were trying to dial at the same time, I will send you a CD as well, but I have another set of questions if you want to take a shot at them. I'll do it. Oh, your game, this is good, okay. Um, And this is, again, for any one of the CDs, and I'll go through the list, you can go shopping and take your pick. Okay, Okay. Uh, I have three questions again. The first question is, in the Red Rider series, the juvenile western, Red Rider, who was the cowboy, had a young Indian companion named Little Beaver. There were six actors who played Little Beaver. Name one of the actors who played Little Beaver. That's the first question. The second one, these are not easy, by the way. I think you're going to be happy that you answered the other ones. Uh, The second question is, Gildersleeve always had a house full of people for Christmas. They came and went, and Mr. Peavy would often stop by with a gift. Who was Mr. Peavy? And the third question, in the story, It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey wishes out loud that he had never been born. But the character Clarence shows up and shows George what would what the world would have been like without him. Who was Clarence? Ah. All right. I need to know one of the actors who played Little Beaver. Uh, that would be Frank Worthy. There you go. Okay. And, and the druggist, uh, oh, Mr. Peavy was the druggist. <laughs> you bet. Oh, gosh, you're good. Okay, and the third one, do you know which, and who Clarence was? was an angel. Was an angel trying to earn his wings. Oh, boy, are you good. <laughs> yeah, the great questions. I really like <laughs> oh. You know, they're easy to me, but I have asked uh, younger friends, and uh, they, they, uh, they were at a loss. 
make me feel smart. (laughs) (laughs) Even recognize the shows. I guess we're ahead of the game here. Okay, I'll go through the list of available CDs, and you can tell me which one you'd like. We have Thurber McGee and Molly Christmas Shows. That one. You want that one? Yep. Got it. Okay. Okay, I have a question that I'd like to give you guys, but not for you to answer because I know you know the answer. Um, there was a, Silver uh, McGee and Molly had a, uh, um, a maid. Uh-huh. And what was unique about this maid? And maybe somebody else can call up and answer that question. Uh-huh. That's a good one. We'll leave that for the audience. <laughs> okay. I like that one. Thank you for that question. I do know the answer. And they asked oh, you... two maids. You, you don't know the answer to that one? You know the answer. She does. And I'm so proud of her. Oh, she does. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you notice that I only ask questions with that I know. Okay, so do you want me to email you with my address and everything? I would like you to email me at floridawriter at hotmail.com and let me know where I can send your CD. Excellent. Thank you so much, and I'm really, really enjoying the show. How's the weather in Chicago tonight, Ray? Did it get up to 100 degrees or 80 degrees today? How, how warm did it get? You're not going to believe this. I'm actually in Wisconsin now. Uh-huh. I have a little getaway cottage about 100 miles north of Chicago. And, um, you know, it's, it's a weekend uh, getaway place. And um, the weather here, I'm a golfer, I might add, and the weather here has been kind of overcast. But that's fine because it gets so darn hot. Yeah. That, uh, you know, uh, something in the uh, low 70s at this time of the year is just tremendous for us. <laughs> yeah. I, t- I tell you what, too, I went to the Italian Fest in Milwaukee yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's a, usually a four, five, six-day event. Uh-huh. And a lot of people come from all over the country. And even, not over the country, but, you know, in the Midwest area. And a lot of people from Chicago drive up there. And uh, it's really an interesting and fun day festival. Now, the weather that day was a little cooler. That was yesterday. And they had, uh, you know, some light rain. But in spite of that, the place was packed. Sounds like a wonderful deal. Do they have entertainment and food and... Yeah, as a matter of fact, they not only, you know, uh, excellent Italian food, you know, a little fudge snack food and... Uh, but they had some of the old-time uh, singers, like uh, El Martino was there. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah, and Dick Contino. Do you, does anybody remember him? Did you bet for the Lawrence Welk show? Well, Dick Contino, I'm telling you, he's got to be every bit of late 70s. And, you know, it was pretty warm there in spite of the overcast and rain, the way he was working out. Oh, he man. actually took off his shirt. <laughs> And, and, well, he had, like, a, a dark T-shirt on. And that guy is really well-built. Wow. He must really keep himself in condition. I was really surprised. Well, point, just a fine show. Playing that instrument, I can see why it would develop muscles. At least in his hands, for crying out loud. Yeah, that thing you know? looks like a waste of 50 pounds. <laughs> but in any event, listen, I'm so appreciative of uh, this little um, uh, contest. And I'm, I'm glad I was able to participate. Well, I'm glad. Uh, Can I ask you one more question? Sure. And this is strictly...
perfectly voluntary. Do you have a Christmas story you can share? Either a ah, Christmas stories. Hmm. Hands. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Uh, okay, I'll give you one. This is kind of a cute one. Years ago, I'm going to say, let's see now. This time frame would be in the late 40s. And uh, I came home from school, and our bathtub was removed from, um, it was one of those bathtubs with uh, the, the four um, legs on it. Uh-huh. And it was out of the, uh, I don't know, I didn't even know where they put it. And tied to the faucet was a baby lamb. <gasps> now, I got the biggest kick out of that. And, you know, I would be in there the bathroom. And I, I recall, like, talking to the lamb. And he would be going, you know. And I couldn't quite figure what it was all about. I must have been, like, five or six, I guess. And little did I know that in a few days he would be my dinner. <laughs> you said little did I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that was something. Oh, man. That is most memorable, but not for the best reason. <laughs> well, it was really unusual for that to happen, so, you know. Uh, but that, you know, I could probably think of some other ones. But. Well, forgive me for being so practical here, but what did you do for a bathtub in the meantime? Well, it was only a few days. And, you know, when you're that age, uh, I think we took a bath every set. And you might remember. That is too funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm just surprised I'm even thinking about it, you know. Oh. Uh, this is great. You know, you guys bring back great memories, you know. Nobody this, this, that this show has got to be the best of the best, you know. Uh, I, I really, I look forward to listening every Friday night, uh, Oh gosh! Thanks so much, Ray. Thanks. Yeah, you, you you just just do a great job, and I'm so happy that uh, that you're both there tonight. Great. And uh, yeah, I really look forward to it. Thank you very much. Great, Ray. Well, we'll let you get back to uh, listening to your computer. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks. Yeah, I'll be I'll be listening. Sounds great. Okay. Good night. Good now. night. And that's Ray from uh, Chicago to Wisconsin. Any, any neck, you can give us a call at 714-545-2071. If you have any thoughts or opinions or uh, comments, we uh, enjoy. This is, a, this is a time of the year we try to cool the weather down with good thoughts and uh, Christmas shows. Not a, not a bad way to go. Not a bad thing to do. You know, I was thinking about you asking Ray about a famous uh, Christmas story, and I was just thinking about my dad. Um... My dad just celebrated his 78th birthday here two days ago. Oh, happy birthday! Yeah, and um, he lost his dad uh, um, when he was nine years old, March of 1941. Uh-huh. And he he lived in a small town in Nebraska, on the border of Nebraska and Kansas. And the like any like any um. Like any neighborhood, like any uh, small town, people looked after each other. And I guess my dad was a cute little guy. The doctor's wife took a liking to him. They didn't have a son of their own, and so she sort of looked at, adopted my dad. And she asked my dad what he wanted for Christmas. And I guess it was these toy 
pearl guns, you know, t shooting guns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's face it, during the Great Depression, money was hard. And my, uh, my, my dad's family, um, they carried the small town in a farm implement business. So n none of the farmers had money, so everything was done on credit. So, you know, things like that would have been hard to have. And so for Christmas time, uh, they, she had the, the girls, I guess she had two girls, deliver my dad his, his, his little toy guns. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. So when you were talking about Ray and the lamb there, I got thinking of the, of the flashback with that. So. Sweet story. Yeah. I don't think anybody can top the lamb. No, that's a great story. I would love people if people called in and tried to top it. Well, don't even have to top it. No, I guess you space with it. Go ahead and add to it. That is a honey of a story. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got another Christmas show uh, lined up. And I'm thinking, why not a Phil Harris Alice Faye show? Oh, great. And, Patricia, you picked out the one from December 18th, 1949. Interesting. First show we had lined up with December 18th, 1945. So, uh, four years later, we go from a Tuesday to a Sunday, both on NBC. And that's what we got. We have the legendary Phil Harris... Alice Faye, and probably the guy who's a true renaissance guy, Elliot Lewis, who played Frankie Remley on the show, and Walter Tetley. It is a classic show. And I think Patricia will talk about it when we get back. That's great. I'll uh, be here listening. All right, folks. So here we go from uh, the NBC Radio Network, December 18, 1949, the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Good health to all from Rexall. It's the Bill Harris Alice Bay Show, presented transcribed by the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists. Good evening. This week, we independent Rexall druggists would like to play Santa Claus to all you tired, last-minute Christmas shoppers. Our present to you is quick, easy, economical gift buying without all the rush and worry. Suggestions? Well, there's Caranome, one of America's oldest and most respected line of beauty aids and a Rexall exclusive. We have Caranome cosmetics in delightful gift sets for as low as $1.25, up to a luxurious, completely fitted travel case for $79. Then there's Stag, Rexall's exclusive and popular toiletries for men. You can buy them individually gift boxed for as little as 75 cents or in handsome combination sets and fitted bags up to $15.95. If you're faced with some of that last-minute gift buying, look for the store with the orange and blue Rexall sign on the window. This week, that sign means quick, easy, can't-go-wrong Christmas shopping. Merry Christmas to all from Rexall. your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris.
With Christmas just a week off, the Harris family is busily engaged putting a few Yuletide decorations around the house. Alice is hanging a holly wreath in the window, and Phil has just finished hanging some mistletoe over the door. There. Mistletoe. Ah, Philip, the many girls whose toes you've curled under this little sprig of greenery. <laughs> You just hung over the door? Oh, mistletoe, honey. Better known as smooching spinach. <laughs> Why do you hang it over the door? Well, it's like a game, baby Alice. The idea is for a fella to get a girl under the mistletoe and then kiss her. Did you ever play the game, Daddy? Did I ever play? I was all American 12 years in a row. <laughs> To me. Don't knock it till you've tried it, gal. <laughs> and don't try it till you get my permission. Daddy, before you married Mommy, did you have any girlfriends? Oh, I had a few. I'd say a few. <laughs> How many? Well, I don't remember. When I got married, I fired my scorekeeper. <laughs> you know something? I probably had more girlfriends than Hello. you could have... Phil, what are you doing? Daddy's telling us about all the girls he knew before he met you. Oh, them. <laughs> that should make for nice, dull conversation. Mommy, did you know that Daddy used to go out with other girls? Oh, of course I knew we went out with other girls. <laughs> I say girls. <laughs> I he never knew what a girl was supposed to look like until he met me. Now, look, Father, stop bragging about your former... Hello there, where is everybody? Oh, hello there. Good morning, children. Howdy-doody, Philip. <laughs> Howdy-doody, oh, you dimpled darling, you. <laughs> you know, sometimes, Willie, you're so cute, I Philip, can just... stop chucking me under the chin. <laughs> I ain't chucking you under the chin. I'm groping for your windpipe. <laughs> You have your decorations up, Alice, and they look wonderful. The holly and the berries. Uh, what's that green stuff hanging in the doorway there? That's mistletoe. What do you hang that up for? What do you... <laughs> oh, this kid really lives. <laughs> Why, I don't know, but he does. <laughs> look, Willie, you're supposed to get a girl under... Look, didn't your father ever tell you about the birds and the bees? <laughs> Naturally. Birds. A bird is a warm-blooded, feathered, egg-laying vertebrate commonly known as the avian seropsidan. <laughs> huh? Bee. A bee is a honey-gathering hymenopterous insect of the genus Apis. All right, that... Willie. All right, all right. So that's the scientific definition of the birds and the bees. Well. <laughs> I must have a talk with my father. Papa is away off the beam. <laughs> your brother always I also had... know about fish. Now, shut up. <laughs> Willie, do you really like our decorations? Oh, Alice, they're beautiful. And I'm glad to see that you people are imbued with the Christmas spirit. <laughs> That's more than I can say for our city fathers. Where's the big community tree they always have in front of City Hall? I ask you, where is it? Well, don't look at me. I ain't got it. <laughs> 
Willie. I wonder why they don't have the tree up this year. That's what I'm going to find out. I'm on my way down to the city hall right now to get to the bottom of this. I'll go in and I won't come out till I know the whys and the wherefores. What did he say? He said he's going in on his why and coming out on his wherefores. <laughs> you know, Willie, you're right. We should have a community tree and I'm going to the city hall with you. You're coming too, Phil. If enough people protest, we'll get results. But, Alice, I can't go. I've got a date with Frankie. Well, we'll pick him up and take him, too. Oh, all right. But I don't know if I'm in favor of this. <laughs> Gee whiz, in order to put a tree up, you got to chop one down. What's wrong with that? I don't believe in it. You see, I've an affinity for our little green brothers. And if you'll lend me your big flapping ears, I'll proceed to tell you why. <laughs> a tree grows near our house. It's been there quite some time. Now the tree is a